A sea of strange dreams is sweeping all around the world. This is our quest to decode them. I'm Alex Morgan. I'm a journalist and a vivid dreamer, and I'm fascinated by what our dreams reveal about the hidden depths of our minds. Joining us this week is Lee Mead, the actor who played Joseph in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoats. Now, Lee was initially unsure which dream to bring to the podcast, and I told him, any dream will do. I'm sorry, Lee, I, I promised I'd resist the pun, but I, I couldn't, so uh, sorry about that. Anyway, <laughs> the grown-up in the room by our side will be Teresa Chung, our dream decoder on the podcast and the best-selling dream author. She'll help us make sense of Lee's dreams, and then we'll examine our dream theme of the week, which this time is sleepwalking, sleep-talking, and sleep-singing. So make sure you're sitting or lying comfortably. Tuck yourself in and join us on the journey into your dreams. Lee Mead, what an absolute privilege to have you on the podcast. How are you doing? Hey Alex, thanks for having me on today. Yeah, I'm really excited actually. Um, when the call came in to discuss dreams and, and uh, have a chat with you, I was, I was really intrigued. So uh, thanks for having me on. Well, look, it, it's great to have you on because, well, if for no other reason than for me, it brings back so many wonderful childhood memories going up to see you on the West End with my late nan. It was just uh, a wonderful experience. It's brought all those memories back. So, yeah, Lee, it's it's great to have you on the podcast. Oh, thanks, Alex. Yeah, that, that was a great time. Yeah, I think it was sort of 13 years ago now, back in 2007, but it was a big, big part of my life. That was... Uh... And Joseph was, yeah, he was definitely a dreamer as well. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly, Lee. And uh, of course, Joseph is such a a huge uh, role. It's such a well-known musical as well. So I am curious, just before we go into too much uh, about your journey into playing that role, just looking at the character of Joseph, this dream interpreter, this vivid dreamer, in what ways are you like Joseph? In what ways are you yourself a, a vivid dreamer? And do you think you've got a bit of the dream interpreter in you as well? Oh, um, I'm definitely a dreamer myself. Yeah, I think most I think most of us are actually, but we forget our dreams most of the time, don't we? And and um, but certainly from a very young age, I've uh, had very sort of vivid dreams and, and dreams that seem so clear at, at the time. Um, and uh, I, th- I think we'll, we'll go on to discuss later that I'd, I've been sleep talking, I think, pretty much every other night since the age of about six or seven. So, um, <laughs> And my dreams tend to be very present as well, not really from the past. So it, they'll, they'll, they'll be of, of that day, uh, generally. Um, and it's, yeah, but I, I find them fascinating. And, and I guess playing, playing the Joseph role as well, that, that definitely did help in terms of bringing that side of myself to the character as well, because he was ultimately a dreamer and had, had these visions and things, but um, yeah. So they have gone throughout my life really, I guess from, from a very young age. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, Joseph is a, a Lloyd Webber um, musical and the, the story, I, I was worried initially about giving away too much of the story. Then I realized, of course, it's in the Bible. So I uh, really, it's sort of been around for long enough for people to, you know, for the spoilers to be out there. Um, but of course, the musical itself, uh, you know, Lloyd Webber composed the music and he was there and you had to do all of your singing or basically your your many week audition in front of the man himself. What was that like? I'm very curious about that. That was pretty scary, especially growing up, you know, uh, loving musicals and wanting to be in them from a young age. And uh, also Tim Rice as well. I can remember one of my auditions. So I had to go into this room with there was six, seven big TV cameras and a panel of 10 and Tim Rice was there and Lloyd Webber. And, and uh, I had to sing at this stage in the competition. It was uh, a cappella. 
and it was a song called Anthem from the musical chess and uh, I was so nervous. <laughs> yeah. But as I said, the, the, the only word I can use to describe it was it was just such a surreal experience but such a, a rush at the same time and they're very complimentary afterwards and um, I think early on they, they had their kind of eye on me and, and uh, I just, yeah, kept my head down and got further and further and it wasn't until the live shows that the final 12 of 10,000 that then the, the, the competition really kicked in and... Um, where you get knocked off each week from the show or, or, or not. And uh, it, was, it was crazy, really. I, I still can't believe it happened. And one thing we found, Lee, with performers, particularly singers, but even radio presenters, TV presenters, is that the dream of being on stage in the studio or whatever, and something's gone wrong. It's kind of the performance anxiety 100%. dreams. 100%. <laughs> yeah. There's, 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 there's a dream that a lot of people say they've had where they're just completely naked on stage. And ever, and the audience is laughing at them, which, which I, I think I've had that one before. And um, yeah, just that fear. I, I can remember my first time as, as Joseph going out, you know, sort of singing that song was at Wembley Stadium to seventy eight thousand people, and um, it was with Donny Osmond and Jason Donovan, and I, I was absolutely petrified but buzzing at the same time. And I, I remember the night before staying at a hotel in London. And just having this, <laughs> I don't think I slept the whole night and, and I just had these nightmares of going out and uh, the microphone not working or my voice cracking and, and just being laughed at by 70,000 people. But it was, it, fortunately, it turned out okay. But because um, it is a pretty crazy thing, really. I mean, you, you know, if, if you love performing and, and uh, singing and, and being in front of an audience, that's wonderful. But there's a whole side to it that also it's a bit crazy, to be honest. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why. Sometimes that we do it because it's you're so exposed and, and you really put yourself out there. It's um, to, it's uh, it can be scary at the same time. Well, I I can absolutely imagine that, but you know, I think for me the idea of just getting seventy eight thousand people in one space. As, I mean, right now that just seems a, a whole world away, doesn't it? It feels like science it really fiction. Does. I mean, you know, even a hundred people together right now is is a uh, seems like a distant you know thing, but uh, hopefully going forward I mean it's, it's been a tough tough year for, for the arts generally I mean it's a real tough sort of time but uh, fingers crossed we can we can all start to be together and, and watch things and be entertained again really so. well yeah and I think that was something that I was going to come on to because uh, at the beginning of 2020 I know you had a great number of plans for tours performances because as well as your your on screen work I know I, I can get a sense for having from just spoken to you briefly here that you know your heart a big part of it will always be on the stage no matter what comes up on tv you know the stage will be perhaps i would suggest maybe your your home that would feel really feel like home um but all of that was thrown uh, aside wasn't it? it with with the last 12 months you like so many other people who have been uh in the arts and the entertainment industry and just suffering in many ways because of the just complete absence of any ability to perform and any ability to put on these shows and i know from a great number of actors online who've been talking about this it's been a very hard time so i was just curious to know how you've navigated those those difficult waters over the last 12 months oh it's been so tough alex yeah really and i i think not just performers i mean i've got got friends that you know from tv and theater work on the crew and the lighting and sound and they've got kids and families and I know I must know three or four people have lost their homes, have two or three kids, and and um, lost everything uh, this last year and a half. Like most industries, and it's just mm. been horrendous, really. But it's uh, it's but on a personal level, I mean, luckily I had some savings to see me through this period. But obviously they don't last forever. Um, so really needing to to start work again as soon as possible. But fortunately that helped me through. But um, 
See, yeah, it's been very, it's been very, very tough, really. I, th- I think the arts as a whole, generally, um, naturally, was was sort of slightly shelved and forgotten yes. because it's it's often seen as something that's not really a, a serious career or, or or a or a job. But obviously, you know, it contributes three billion a year to to, to the economy and um and so many jobs and, and families and sort of lives are at stake as well. So it's uh, yeah, it's been hard. But hopefully, as I said, I mean, I'm really hoping. By the end of this year or start of next year, we can all get back to work again and, and start earning some money. And 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 aside from surviving, it's also, you know, like most industries that, that you you spend your whole life training for and and hoping to work in. It's it's a big part of who you are as well. I mean, course, I've missed miss being being part of an audience so much and just performing for people and making people happy and, and connecting with people. It's it's a big part of who I am. So it's uh, that's been tough. Yeah, I've just been singing whilst washing up pretty much the last year. <laughs> well, I, I, I must admit there will be many little children out there who will be perhaps quite envious of your, your little one because I imagine she gets the best bedtime stories and the best bedtime songs. Uh, she is perhaps your most dedicated audience of all. Oh, Bet- Betsy, my daughter. Yeah, although she's going to be 11 this year and, and, and it's now more, Daddy, can you please, please be quiet and leave you alone? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more Little Mix and, and uh, Ed Sheeran now um, rather than <laughs> Daddy singing songs. Yeah, but, but I remember, you know, I was touring in shows. I, I did a Cracked Pops in, in sort of Ch- um, Chitty Bang Bang, the musical, which was a, I had a wonderful six months touring that show. And my days off, I'd come back and put Betsy to bed and I'd sing um, Hushabye Mountain to her and send her asleep, you know, uh, when she was four, four or five years old. And she's like, Daddy, can you sing Hushabye Mountain? And, and it'll break my heart, you know, um, having to send her to sleep and then that night often drive up to Newcastle or Birmingham or the next next venue. And um, But yeah, it's... Uh, it's part of the job, really. It's it's hard, tough being away from loved ones and family, but also I'm very privileged to do what, what, what I love and enjoy, you know. Um, well, and the good news is, of course, uh, if nothing else, just to give us all a sort of bit of a roadmap to when we'll be able to get back to theatres and things, um, your, I mean, Touchwood and everything everything goes well. Looking to be back on stage and touring, I mean, the idea of leaving your local area for mass gatherings, crazy, uh, touring in September and October of this year. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm turning forty in on July the fourteenth. You don't look. You don't look a day over twenty five, Lee. I'll, I'll, I'll pay you later, Alex. <laughs> There's some cash for you. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure that's true at all. But uh, but yeah, I, I thought it'd be nice. I, I've never done a live live album before or a live DVD. So for the first time in my career, we're hoping to book a West End venue this this summer. Uh, we, we find out this week, actually, uh, we can talk to the Coliseum in London and, and the Savoy and a, a couple of theatres. So I'm really hoping that can happen. And and then tour the album DVD um, for a 35-day tour this September, October. Yeah, so I'm really hoping that by then we can go and see shows and just switch off and be entertained and, and listen to music and um, I can do what I love, yeah. You can have more uh, anxiety dreams about mass audiences again, Lee. <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm, they're very welcome right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, that neatly brings us back to talking about your dreams, talking about Joseph, because I know you have been a vivid dreamer all of your life. You're searching for the answers behind two dreams that you've brought to the podcast. And while we will not be calling on the real life Joseph, we have the wonderful Teresa Chung joining us shortly. And uh, I'm reassured that while she may not have a Technicolor dream coat, she has some Technicolor items in the wardrobe she could dig out for us. But anyway, uh, Lee, let's dive straight in then. What are these dreams that you would like to have interpreted? Well, obviously there's been many, but two that have been reoccurring the last few years and uh, since I was very young um, have been... The first was 
it sounds bizarre, but the, the computer game Pac-Man that was in the 80s, you know, <laughs> the 80s, I think, but uh, just being chased by Pac-Man and, and running and running and running. And, and I'd wake up, you know, middle of the night, sometimes sweating and just dripping in sweat and, you know, panicking and being chased by, by the, the Pac-Man <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and almost being eaten. And, and I never quite got eaten, but it, was, it felt so real and so vivid at the time. And this went on from the age of about eight or nine for years until my mid to late 20s, at least, oh, I'd say three, three times a week. Um, and then suddenly it stopped uh, around my mid, mid to late 20s. Um, so I'll be really interested to ask Teresa what that could mean um, and how that relates to something. Um, and the other dream, which bizarrely I, I, I said to you before recording, was this sense of falling off a cliff and, and free falling um, and that seeming and feeling so real and, and uh, obviously naturally quite scary. And uh, the other morning I, I woke up and um, Betsy popped in and said, hey, Daddy, time for breakfast. I said, oh, hey, Betsy, uh, did you sleep well? She said, yes, Daddy, but I had this funny dream that I was falling off a cliff and and falling through the sky. I was like, oh, me. And, and and so she had the same dream that I had myself uh, when I was her age and, and um, throughout the years as well. So I'd be really interested to know what, what those two, two sort of dreams could possibly mean. Yeah. Well, Lee, this is the moment where... You do not have to play the role of a dream interpreter. We have Teresa Chung for that, our dream decoder, joining us. Hello, Teresa. I imagine there was plenty for you to uh, to dig into there. How are you doing? I'm living my dreams right now, talking to Lee Mead, Joseph, yeah. the master dream interpreter. So thank you, Alex, for making my dreams come true. Oh, that's, very, that's very kind, Teresa. That's very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, let's start with the video game dream, Pac-Man. Um, mm. You know, video games are now a part of our lives. And of course, your dreaming mind is going to seize on that as a symbol. And typically in dreams, they represent challenge, uh, life or death situations and trying to do everything correct because there's steps you have to follow. So there's that pressure. But there's also a part of them which is an escape from reality. And certainly in childhood, that's what children, you know, they go to video games uh, too, because, you know, they begin to realise as they grow up that the grown-up world is rather frightening and maybe not as exciting as they hoped, and they can escape in this world of the video games. And that's really interesting that you said that the video game dreams stopped when you started to actually live your own dreams through your musical gift. So that's interesting because your own life became as exciting as the video games that you were, in, in you know, enjoying as a child. Um, but also... It's very interesting. There was a 2017 study to show that um, video gamers actually have a very vivid dream life anyway. They tend to dream more, have more vivid and lucid dreams than non-video gamers. So that's just an interesting aside. But the Pac-Man, let's go to that. It's chasing you. Mm. Now, <laughs> when you're being chased by a character in a video game, it suggests that something is trying to control you. And you don't quite know what that is. It tends to, as there's one character there, it tends to be relationships or other people. So what I would say, I don't know you, Lee, personally. So I'm just looking at it as an objective dream interpreter. What it suggests is that this dream is trying to tell you, because remember, every dream is trying to help you. It's saying your relationships and other people are determining the course of your life. And you're going to keep having that kind of dream where you're being chased by this until you go after what you desire till you take control and those kind of wow. running away dreams are 
what typically happens when you feel in a way that outside other people are in control, are in the driving seat, and your life is defined by relationships, not necessarily by who Lee Mead is. That's what the dream may be. Is it may be, as I say, it's just my personal interpretation. So this dream is saying you need to take control, turn around and face your fears rather than running from them. So if somebody is trying to control you, turn around and assert your own control. Does that make any kind of sense? Others driving well, you rather than you driving you. Yeah, I can really, really relate to that, Teresa. Yeah, I'd pretty much say my daughter Betsy is the same. You know, um, we're all complex characters as human beings, but one of my struggles for years has been uh, confrontation. I, I, I don't like confrontation at all. And I, I'd pretty much say from a young age, and even now, I mean, I mean, as we grow and we become adults, we grow in strength, but um, I just don't like confrontation. And in, in previous, you know, friendships, or uh, I, I was slightly bullied when I was younger as well, and relationships uh, are at times in control, possibly. And um, yeah, yeah your so Pac-Man, Pac-Man's going to keep running after you until you actually stand up for yourself and don't let others, um, you know, take control or determine the mood or the direction. Um, and until you maybe understand that conflict, sometimes getting things out in the open is good. Um, yes, yeah. those kind but of I, dreams will continue otherwise. That's really interesting. I, I, I can really relate to that. I, I'd say pretty much whether it's it's in a work capacity or relationships, or I've always found confrontation very tough, very tough. Um, and I don't know why, really. I, I think I think it's it's well, not always the easiest thing. Create- Sensitive souls, creative people tend to not like that. And that's why, in a way, you maybe escape through your song and through on stage mm. from who, who you are. I mean, this is getting very deep, but, you know, I in think, a way... I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Um, performers are fascinating because they spend their life being other people. And your dreams are going to get more and more vivid because your dreaming mind is trying, dreaming mind is trying to compensate for that, to say, look, you are enough, Lee Mead. You know, you don't actually have to be Joseph to be enough. You don't have to be in, you know, the character in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or whatever to be enough. And um, your dreaming mind will keep sending these vivid scenarios, often alarming ones, to alert you to the inner you, who you are. Well, and uh, remind you that there's a lot there to discover and a lot there that's really fascinating to discover. Um, and to not fear change, you know, because one of the reasons you were drawn to video games as a child and while children are and, and lots of adults video game is because it's exciting. But they, you know, but your dreaming mind saying your, your own life can be just as exciting. You know, you're not frightened in a video game to have conflict and stand up for your, for your character. Mm. Do it in your, your waking life. <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's really that's really interesting. Tracy. Yeah, it's um, and maybe uh, I, I, I'm guessing. Possibly that dream stopped just over 10 years ago, um, maybe because I found that more of a kind of inner strength than, than myself. And because day to day as adults and as people, we have to deal with many kind of hurdles all, all the time, you know, whether it's chasing up bills or sort of confronting people day to day with things. Yeah. And um, and that dream stopped, I'd say, pretty much just over 10 years ago. So perhaps I found that inner strength more the last 10 Absolutely. years or so. And if it comes back, it's just a warning sign, a gentle warning sign. As I say, your dreaming mind is like an internal therapist trying to help you saying, watch out something, you know, you're minimizing yourself again. You're not standing up for yourself. Watch out. Okay. Mm. That's what, and, and I'd just love to get into the cliff dream though, as well. 
because that mm. very much ties into it because a cliff you know cliff is a sign of opportunity new perspective but falling off it suggests some kind of forced change and things that you don't want to happen but are a loss of control so it's you know and it's interesting that your daughter who you now say is 11 is also having that dream because of course she's growing up she's becoming a young woman scary Uh, but she can't do anything about that she can't go back to being a child it's a forced change something that's happening to her that's outside her control so you need to look in your own life and see what's happening to you that's outside of your control and I guess it would be the pandemic right now because your life's kind of as everybody's been put on hold it's outside your control so what that dream says that you can't control that just as your daughter can't control growing up but you can control how you react to it and how you respond to it so if you have that dream again kind of like enjoy the falling you know it's a dream enjoy the falling go with the flow that's what it's trying to encourage you to do thank you Teresa. that's that's fascinating that's um I, I never would have thought they could be interlinked in that way and um connected but it's uh and what again what what's fascinating is how real those dreams feel at, at the time it feels you know like it's really happening and then um you suddenly wake up you know, so. well they are they are really happening they are really happening. Yeah. They're happening in some unseen realm and it's so exciting. And it's you, the part of you trying to show through the language of symbol and metaphor to give you some insight, new perspective that can help you evolve. Because every dream you have is trying to help you evolve and to give you a sense that you are in control of your life. You are in control of how you think and how you feel and ultimately how you dream. Because when you change in your waking life, when you change something in your waking life positive, positively it will impact your dreams you'll have different kind of dreams wow you don't want your dreams to keep being the same you don't want your dreams to keep on being the same old scenarios over and over again which which can and and for me personally has has happened um, over the years with repeat dreams of of the same scenarios and same situations happening and repeating and um so i I guess in a way these kind of dreams are, are, are come to us through our own feelings and, and thoughts to, to help us progress move and move forward perhaps as, as well? It's- Absolutely. Think of it, your intuition, that's in the word, in, meaning inner, tuition. Mm. It's tuition from within. It's your inner GPS. Fascinating stuff. Teresa, thank you. Lee, do stay with us. In a moment, we're going to our dream theme of the week. And this week, it's a, it's a really fascinating one. It's sleep singing, talking and walking. Okay, Lee, before we get on to the sleep singing, which is something that is completely new to me, I know sleep talking has been a big thing for you over the years, and it's something that you found quite difficult, actually, at times. What kind of things have happened to you? What happens to you at night? Perhaps once a week, possibly twice a week, but I'd say for years it was at least three, four times a week that I'd be sleep talking, and and it did have an effect on my relationships, the person I was with. Naturally, I mean, my partner is done with at the moment. Fortunately, she she finds them funny and, and it doesn't affect her sleep too much. But it would, as with a lot of couples, and, and it, it can, you know, affect things. And um, I'd be talking in the night and, and you know, it'd be, it'd be two, three in the morning. I'd, I'd be sitting up and, and having full-on conversations with myself, uh, which is just bizarre. So I, I decided to get this kind of voice app um, recently, a few, few months ago, just to record myself of an evening and I've never really spoken about, about this publicly before, but I did send you a clip, Alex, I think a couple of clips of 
of me sleep singing and sleep talking. And, and uh, the first one is a character called Mr. Strong. So I've got a stepson, uh, Alfie, who's seven. And uh, I've known him since he was three or four years old. And, and there's a character called, called Mr. Strong that I, I, I pretended to be for him and to make him laugh. And, and uh, one of the clips is, is of me being Mr. Strong <laughs> um, and sleep talking as, as Mr. Strong, which is quite funny. And, uh, and the other was, was bizarrely me singing happy birthday to myself, yeah, in a very posh accent and, and posh voice. <laughs> it, it is quite a posh voice, actually. Well, uh, Lee, you have very kindly shared these clips with us. This is very exciting. The first time these have been heard publicly. So let's just start off then by playing that clip of you being this character, Mr. Strong, and then you singing happy birthday. Sure. So you all your food and you're big and strong and then you can do cool, good things if you're big and strong. You're like the real Mr. Strong. Bigger than everything in the whole nation. I can wipe out everybody in a single party. I mustn't do that. Not very nice. Have a birthday to me. 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 Now, on the one side, of course, those clips are very amusing. We've had a joke about them, a bit of a giggle about them. Lee, you have too, and of course. There's that side to it, but you've also mentioned the difficulties that sleep talking has presented for you in your relationships. And by no means are you alone there at all. So, uh, Teresa, just bringing you in on this, because so many people from all around the world for so many years have written to you, no doubt expressing uh, confusion, amusement, and probably concern about sleep talking and singing, all these kind of things. Just from your personal perspective, how would you make sense of that? Well, for me as a dream decoder, it makes perfect sense. But anyone listening, first of all, I want to say it can be a a sign of a sleep disorder. Now, I'm not a doctor, so you need to get that checked out first. I'm going to talk about it from the dream interpreter spiritual perspective. And if you do have it, you know, sleep hygiene, as Lee alluded to, like regular bedtimes, avoiding stimulants, having a calm bedroom environment, relaxation before bedtime, these can all ease them. There are techniques and everything, but there's also treatment for it. So get that out of the way. But for me, from my perspective, I believe that sleep speaking in particular, sleep singing, sometimes actions in sleep are basically that the dream that you have is so important and valid. Your intuition, your soul, your spirit is, 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 is living it for you. It wants to act it out for you because it's trying to get a message across. Now, Lee, I love the fact that you sing because obviously you are a singer, but also if you think about it, dreams are like songs. They're brief, they're immersive, they're emotional, they're catchy, they comment on reality and they're spun into kind of like um, beautiful tapestry or interesting tapestries in an instinctive mm. way. Dreams and songs are so similar. So it looks like, you know, and a song is also a performance. So it suggests in, in your sleep also this performance is carrying over to you. And you might actually want to think about that. <laughs> I'm talking about new directions. I don't know if you've heard of the singer Dion McGregor uh, signed by Decca Records about 30 years ago he was an extensive sleep singer and they actually wow. was a US songwriter you go and check it out he actually oh, released an album that did fairly well and it was called Dreaming Like Mad the album um, and <laughs> it's a collection of him singing in his sleep and Decca committed to this so you might want to check that out <laughs> I 
don't amazing. know how, but you know, also, you know, Paul McCartney composed uh, yesterday in his sleep. You know, um, a lot of musicians have tunes that they hear in their sleep, you know, and he, he woke up with this song on his mind and he wrote it down. And, you know, yesterday, I think it's yesterday. It's one really classic Beatles song. But just look at it. And also the, go and check it out. Go and look on Wiki, Dion McGregor. It will make you smile um, that a, a record company committed to that with such earnestness. And I think he's, there's still a website for him, quite a legend, I think, in, in the dream community. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, What's bizarre is I'm singing Happy Birthday birthday to myself though which is even more strange <laughs> well of course you're singing it to yourself because your dreaming mind wants i just feel your dreaming mind wants to big you up more well, i think you're one of these people who maybe puts the needs of others always ahead of your own and your dreaming mind saying come on that's great but fill your own cup first because when you've filled your own cup you've got more to offer other people and happy oh. birthday to yourself is so validating. It's 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 basically, you know, you nurturing yourself, you taking care of yourself, you loving yourself when you feel maybe that the world isn't. That's mm. what your dreaming mind wants you to do. Once you do that, do that, you can conquer the world. Nothing will affect you because you know that when you, that going gets tough, you have this inner strength, you have this inner self-love, you've parented yourself. I mean, you're parenting your daughter brilliantly right now. You need to parent yourself at the same time. Your dreamy mind saying that, sing happy birthday to yourself, parent yourself, go back and find that young Lee Mead. Imagine mm. him that, in your dreams, take care of him. That's really interesting, actually, Trees. I mean, it's getting quite deep now, probably, but part of the reason <laughs> I, love to, I love to perform so much, especially singing um, live on stage. When I'm, mid, when I'm mid-song and there's five or 600 people hearing me sing, it's for me. It's never been about the applause or, or the accolade. It's 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 that connection, that 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 present connection in that moment, and opening up uh, and and putting myself completely out there emotionally, and connecting with that song in that moment and telling a story. And and um, that's that for me. That's what I thrive off more than anything. But it's um, which is why I love what I do. But it's um, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's why you're so brilliant as you do because you are connecting with that innocent, open, vulnerable child within mm. we all have that and we all as we grow up we all shut that down but performers like you they keep it alive through their performance and they think that's the, the safe way to reveal it absolutely um, it and then the, song, the song finishes and then the, as soon as that particular four minute song ends it's like this barrier comes straight back up again it's and then you're chatting to the audience and then you're on to the next number or, but it's just that three minutes in time there's no greater feeling for me than, than, than that. It's, um... it's spiritual. You're connecting with your soul, with who you truly are, without all the facade, without all the masks. Who you truly are is being revealed, and that's an infinite aspects of yourself. Some of them will be, you know, some songs are dark, some are deep, some are light, some are fun, some yeah. are empowering, and that's all connecting to who, who you are, and you, you're doing that in your dreams as well. As I say, dreams and songs for me were so similar, such crossover. Wow, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, and it's it's um, I guess something that's been happening happening for hundreds and hundreds of years as well. It's not just a recent thing. It's um... no, if you're human, you dream, and if you don't think you dream, you do. You're just not remembering them and not wanting to, for some reason, connect to that deeper, true part of yourself, which we yeah. some of us, you know, um, don't want to con confront. Some of us don't want to go deep. But dreams, yeah. they they go deep. I mean, I did go through a phase of that fear of going to sleep almost some nights because of you know, your partner, the person you're with. 
waking them up and and, and, and interrupting their sleep. But as, as time's gone on, um, just give I, them I, some I headphones. <laughs> yeah, I know. Have, have some nice ear earplugs, but um, earplugs. Yeah. I've got a, a great partner, Izzy, who's who sort of finds it funny most of the time and generally doesn't wake her up. But it's um. Yeah, and I, I guess how you're feeling at the time can affect your sleep and can affect how much I sleep talk and, and how loud I can be talking in my sleep as well. But it's um, but fortunately, I, I'm sort of very happy in myself and in recent years, and it um, hasn't affected that side of things. So. Well, two things that jump out at me from, from what you've both just said. First of all, Lee, you're saying it's gone on for hundreds of years. Well, I, I mean, I'd say, you know, thousands of years when we're talking about dream interpretation. Of course, thinking of Joseph, thinking of the account in the book of Genesis, and whether you're religious or not, it's the story of a man uh, who has these visions, has these um, stories that he, he uses to shape not only his life, but the lives of those around him. And of course, that is the basis of the musical, which, which of course you brought to life so wonderfully on the West End those years ago. Uh, and Teresa, you said as well, uh, to dream is human. And yeah, I, I agree with you in, in so many ways. And, and this is why for me, it's such a privilege to sit, you know, sometimes and just listen to these conversations uh, unfolding around me. So uh, Leah, as our conversation is coming to a close and we're coming to the end of the podcast, I'm just wondering what you are going to take away having heard from Teresa. Well, it's, it's opened my, my, my eyes completely in terms of, you know, what, what these dreams can mean to myself and, and um, going forward. I, I think especially not being too too hard on myself. And, and uh, I guess there's always been this love-hate thing with, with, with my dreaming in the sense of worrying that it's going to affect those around me and myself. And, and um, But actually, as you said, Teresa, it, it's, it's a positive thing and a good thing rather than something that, that shouldn't be sort of shut down or closed away, really, uh, I think. Please fall in love with your dreaming, really. Even scary images are gifts, messages, trying to help you get mm -hmm. to know yourself better. Absolutely. And it's just changing that mindset, isn't it, really? And, and just knowing that it's okay to be a vivid sort of dreamer or talker in your sleep. <laughs> it's, 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 it's more than okay. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> no. Well, it has been a real privilege, Lee, for us to, if you like, to borrow your dream coat to, to be doing the interpretation. And uh, thank you so much for letting us into your dreams. Thanks so much, Alex. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a great chat. And thank you, Teresa, as well. It's, it's been re really interesting. In Your Dreams was a Reva Media production hosted and devised by Alex Morgan. You can get the show on all major podcast platforms, so please do subscribe. Thank you very much for listening, and I look forward to seeing you next time.